Section 5 of The Three Hours' Agony of Our Lord Jesus Christ This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by I Read Things The Three Hours' Agony of Our Lord Jesus Christ by Rev. Peter Gilday Fourth Word my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Mark chapter 15, verse 34 Slowly the scene has been changing. From the sixth hour, when he last spoke to Mary his mother, there was darkness over the whole earth to the ninth hour. The supreme moment in the crucifixion had come. Hanging on the cross, Christ was now separated from the world, separated from the inimical crowds around him, separated from Mary even, whom he had given to John as his mother. He was at last alone with his eternal father, alone with the God of justice. Silence now reigns on Golgotha. Dark, dull, and heavy, the clouds are obscuring the sun, and a gray pall is setting down on Calvary. There is death in the air. The birds are frightened by the somber darkness and the awful quiet, and they flee from their nests, leaving Calvary far behind. The people are awe-stricken with the horrors that impend. The whole universe prepares itself for a cataclysm. The trembling, rumbling earth tells of a conflict nature herself was enduring at this heart-rending spectacle. For three dark hours Christ is alone with his eternal Father, alone with the God of justice. Every bitterness there was he had tasted. His inward agony increased with every fleeting moment, and over his soul the waters of desolation rushed in torrents. God's infinite hatred for sin burst upon him, helpless and alone. Mary indeed might pray. The shivering apostles might now summon up courage to come near to Calvary. John might gaze up at him with his virginal eyes and shower his wounds with a soothing rain of his love. But at this appalling moment, by God's decree, Jesus was to be alone, alone with the God of justice. His long agony was now drawing to a close. But down the arches of the years the divine eyes of Jesus traveled, and century after century passed before his sight. In the midst of all his pain, there was the extreme dolor of it all, the weariness of it all, as he sees the millions of redeemed souls who will reject him and his teaching. It is the mystical body of which he is the head that suffers now. It is for his spouse the church, that the cry of desolation escapes his lips in the darkness of Calvary. All the storms which sin would cause, all the storms which would pass over her in the years to come, wrecking and ruining the work of her hands, passed in that frightful moment over him. All the bitter trials she would endure for the sanctity of his doctrine, all the evils the blind synagogue would inflict upon her before it would lie among the flotsam of time, 
all the giant efforts of paganism to exterminate his followers. All the scenes in the arenas at Rome, the Christians burning as torches in the gardens of the emperors, all the heresy and the error of a fanatical world always antagonistic to the church, all the schism, all the wounds made by the disloyalty of her own children in the bosom of the church, all the sons and daughters he was dying for, wandering farther and farther away from the faith. All these and more he saw from Calvary. And when the storm of opposition crashed out its hatred for him on Calvary, his soul was stricken with sorrow unto death. And for one blinding instant the work of his passion and death seemed to have been swept away into oblivion by the angry waters that swirled around the cross. From depth to depth of unfathomable suffering he sank, until at the close approach of a death which was more awful to him than it could ever be to any of the sons of men. It seemed as if his divine humanity could endure no more. He attempts to raise his head towards heaven, but the crown of thorns only pierces his brow the deeper. He tries to join his hands in prayer to God the Father, that this chalice of desolation might pass from him, but they are nailed to the cross. He would kneel, but he is fastened to the hard bed of the cross. His eyes are blinded with blood. His lips are swollen with fever and pain. He seeks for one to comfort him, one to carry his prayer to God. But even she, immaculate queen of heaven, must remain silent and inactive. Alone with God's justice is he, and justice must be regained. The time for mercy is past and gone. The all-holy God has offered him up as a holocaust for the sins of mankind. That sacrifice must go on to the bitter end of death. The sacred heart of Jesus hesitates not a moment, but the fearful desolation of that loneliness is breaking the last bonds which unite him to life. He has reached the summit of the mountain of sorrows. He has walked through the anguish and dereliction of the valley of death. He is encompassed by enemies. When he gazes down the mountain sides of the years, gazes out over the whole of this vast world in which we live and move and have our being, when he searches into the inmost recesses of our hearts, what does he see there but abandonment and neglect? What does he feel but the winter's cold and chill? My God, he utters, as the words of the psalm come back to him. My God, look upon me. From my mother's womb thou art my God. Depart not from me, for tribulation is very near, and there is none to help me. Must I tread the winepress of suffering alone? They have opened their lips against me, as a lion ravening and roaring. I am poured out like water, and all my forces are scattered. They have dug my hands and feet, they have numbered all my bones. My heart is become like melted wax. My strength is crackled and gone up in smoke. My freshness has spent its wavering shower in the dust. And now my heart is as a broken fount wherein tear-drippings stagnate. 
they have parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture they have cast lots. But thou, O God, my God, remove not thy help from me. Let not the tempest of these waters of sorrow drown me, nor the deep affliction of it all swallow me up. Hear me, O God, my God, for thy mercy is kind. Hear me as I pray dying, as I die praying for the sins of the world. Look out upon the world according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and let not thy justice reign alone. For in thy sight no man living is justified. Do not forsake me in this final struggle with the powers of evil. Do not forsake me. But yes, do forsake me. Leave me. Depart from me. Let me hang here alone and helpless, alone with the justice of God, alone with thy face averted from me. Let me drink the dregs of the bitterness of desolation. Let my humanity shudder and recoil under the excruciating burden of sin, that I may be forced to cry aloud over all Judea, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For only thus, Eternal Father, can I rouse the hearts of men to the hideous reality of sin. Only thus can I leave behind me the conscious horribleness of the intolerable pain of loss which sin deserves. Only thus can I change their hearts of stone into hearts of love. Only thus will those children whom I have bequeathed to Mary be held fast to thee, held forever by the echoes of my desolate cry in this black night of misery which has descended upon me, held by the sight of the sun's agony being multiplied by their crimes against thee. O good and gentle Jesus, again like little children we stand at the foot of the cross, striving to penetrate this darkness and desolation our sins have caused. Our hands are in Mary's now, but it is we who have merited to be forsaken. We understand thy cry now. My God, my God, remember thou the cause for which thou hast forsaken Jesus, that no other child of Mary may ever be forsaken by thee. Jesus, teach us the lesson of loyalty, loyalty to the cross, loyalty to the crown of thorns thou hast placed around every Christian's heart. Many will walk no more with thee from this day of wrath, this terrible day. Many will despise the ignominy of the cross. But Lord Jesus, to whom else shall we go in the desolations which come over us, if not to thee? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have known that thou art the Son of the living God. Crucify us desolate with thee in thy desolation for nothing henceforth shall ever separate us from thee, neither tribulation, nor distress, nor pain, nor danger, nor death, nor things present, nor things to come, shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in thee, Christ Jesus the Lord. End of section 5